So how you doing? I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter, and I want to welcome everyone back to the greatest place to be on a Friday night is right. And so we are continuing in our series. That's what that bumper was for. This is us. I don't know if you watched the TV show, This Is Us. Are you, are you following along? Season two just ended. But welcome back to our series, This Is Us. And we've been talking, and tonight we're going to be talking about the everlasting father. And we've been doing this series on This Is Us, where we've been looking at all the dysfunction going on not at every single life in the entire family in This Is Us. And the problem is, is if we look at the dysfunction and we concentrate on the dysfunction, we'll miss what Jesus has for us this Christmas season. And the antidote found to the dysfunction in This Is Us is found in our key scripture for this entire series in Isaiah 9-6, which says, instead of this is us, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And we launched the series by talking about the wonderful counselor, talking about you can't even fathom how wonderful the name of Jesus is. And to get the wisdom that only he can offer, godly, kingdom-minded, kingdom-guided wisdom. And last week we learned about the mighty God and how the love of God is directly connected to the power of God that lives inside of us. And that love and power is all we need this Christmas season because of three words. He is able. If you don't get anything that I talked about last week or tonight, just know this. He is able. He's always been able. And we posed the question a couple of weeks ago last week. I'm going to pose it again to you tonight. What do you need this Christmas? What do you really need this Christmas season? And the answer can be found in those four names given in Isaiah 9-6. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And just like we did the first two weeks, we have a review, again, of the show This Is Us. And I found this review just right after the first show of this past season was launched. And here's what it, here's what it said. It said, This Is Us made an emotionally supercharged return to the air after a six-month hiatus on Tuesday night. Rebecca, the wife, seized control of a fracturing relationship with Jack by rescuing him from a drinking vortex. But it was the final moments of season two, of the season two premiere of the NBC family drama that fans have been buzzing about. Because those moments took us to the time and seeming place of Jack's death. That's the dad. Heretofore, only a mystery. The sequence was preceded by a potent scene in which Rebecca tried to save her, their marriage, only to be rebuffed by his self-loathing efforts to try and tackle his alcoholism by himself. I, I know I, no one's resonating with this. Uh, <laughs> only to then open the door that he shut on her and order him to get out of the car. Once in the vehicle, she assured him to get back in the car. And once in the vehicle, she assured him, everything's going to be fine, Jack. Look at me. In a few months from now, everything will be back to normal. 
That scene then segued into a moment, presumably a few months from then, in which Rebecca was wearing a Steelers jersey, looking devastated, driving numbly with apparently Jack's possession in a bag in the back seat, watch keys and notebook. No, everything was not clearly fine. Rebecca pulled up to the Pearson's mailbox as she let out a horrible, heartbreaking wail. And we panned back to something hideous, a just-burned-down house, police tape cordoning it off, and a few fire officials still on the scene. End of show. Do you need a moment? Do you need a tissue? Did Jack die in the fire? Did something else happen? What was the significance of those items in Rebecca's back seat? Whose dog was that? Who's Randall? Why is Kevin in a cast? So many questions flood one's brain. But here's the big one. How did Jack die? As creator Dan Fogelman promised, and, and as he said, the rest of the answers will take sh- shape over the course of the season. Cue the next round of the waiting game. He lied. The answers were not found in the last season. The answers about how Jack died. He promised we would find out. I think people are going to have to pay attention over the course of the season and each episode and understand why our big three are experiencing what they're experiencing and where they happen to be in the moments that are influenced to Jack's death. More want you to pay attention to some of the clues. There were some clues I don't know if people picked up on with Kate holding the dog, Randall's girlfriend, and Kevin having a broken leg. Well, here's a piece of the puzzle they won't tell you. Jack is dead. And the big three don't know how to get on with life and handle the fact that their dad is dead and gone. And they're all dealing with an absent father wound that is real and that nobody on the show, or most of us who have experienced that, have an answer for. Fact is, most people don't handle losing a father well. Some never get over it. Some never cope as a result of it. And when I talk about the concept of an absent father, an absent father wound, I'm not talking about a father, just a father passing away, but I'm also talking about fathers who are alive but never fulfilled their roles as a father. A pastor uh, named Jeff said this in an article that he wrote. He said, said, this guy named Jack is a 42-year-old guy who entered my office for counseling after his wife discovered his long history of internet pornography and trips to the local massage parlors. As I began to explore his history in an attempt to understand the deeper issues involved, I was struck by one of Jack's statements. Here's Here's what Jack said. My father always provided for us and was home every night after work. But even though he was there, he was never really present. And thus begins an exploration of the question, what is a father wound? Andrew Kaminsky, in his book on sexual relational healing entitled Strength and Weakness, writes, though the father intended for us to be roused and sharpened by our fathers, we find more often than not that our fathers were silent and distant, more shadow than substance in our lives. And this kind of shadow presence is not what our heavenly father intended our relationships with our earthly fathers to be. Unfortunately, few fathers follow the injunction of Proverbs 27, 17, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And like Jack, many men grew up with fathers 
that returned home after work but were never really active as sharpening agents in the lives of their sons. These fathers provided for their sons material needs, but they were strangely absent when the time came to satisfy the needs of the heart, such as intimacy and connection. Fathers like this have been able to, they're available to coach their son's baseball teams or supervise yard work. However, they were less likely to model intimacy and relationships or to be an active presence when their sons were dealing with the pain of rejection by their peers. In his soul, in his soul, every man craves deep, intimate connections with other men. But men are often left without the tools for creating these types of nurturing and godly relationships. A big reason for this has to do with the primary, the primary role that fathers typically play in families. Rather than nurturing their sons or developing them, fathers often spend the majority of their time enforcing the rules. Patrick Morley wrote in his book, and this is a great book. I read this book about 18 years ago. His book titled Man in the Mirror states, Mothers love and stroke their children. Angry fathers handled the discipline. While this statement may seem unfair to fathers, it is a fair assessment of the father's role in so many families. And not only do fathers interact with their boys in a primary disciplinary role, but boys are taught to absorb that discipline with a stiff upper lip. Boys learn the lesson very early on that they're not to display any sense of vulnerability. When life gets tough, negative feelings are to be stuffed and internalized. This stoic, unemotional approach to life is often accompanied by a seemingly unreachable set of expectations from fathers. Countless men, this pastor went on to say, enter my counseling office with stories of fathers they couldn't please. All my life I have felt as if I just couldn't cut it in my father's eyes. It always seemed like the bar was raised far too high for me to reach. Some of the deepest wounds lie in these feelings of inadequacy, which can then poison their relationships and make true and godly and real intimacy difficult. Men that grew up with fathers that were unable to please often carry around a suffocating belief system. I can never cut it. And if I'm not cutting it, then why would others want to be around me? That's the mindset for so many men. Another reason men feel inadequate is because their fathers didn't support or affirm them as they moved into manhood. Jack Balswick, in his book, Men at the Crossroads, writes, Tragically, many young men are growing up without a father who will affirm them in their leap into manhood. Often the voices they do hear are distortions of true manhood. Because so many boys don't have a father affirming their leap into manhood, that transition is often filled with feelings of fear, anger, frustration, instead of confidence and security. Lonely and discouraged, a lot of boys become isolated and alienated men. In this isolated state, men continue to desire closeness and connection, but often they have no concept of how to achieve it. It's because of this quandary that so many men seek out sexual fantasies in an attempt to find some sense of intimacy. And many men feel a void in their lives, often created by the wounds of the past. And some men attempt to fill that void with illicit sexuality. Men's desire for intimacy and connection is real. It's powerful and appropriate. 
But when men try and satisfy that desire in the form of sexual fantasies and acts, they find merely approximations or shadows of true relationship and connection, if any. However, there is healing. Oh, there is healing. There's always healing in the name of Jesus for any and all of these wounds that so many men carry around, unresolved, walking around with these hurts. And this is a deep wound for so many men and for a lot of women, an absent father wound. But by obtaining a biblical understanding of what a father truly is and through a relationship with Jesus Christ, so many people, so many men can experience real healing, real transformation. More healing can occur through accountability and community and and a biblical understanding and a solid foundation of the Lord's teaching along with other Christian brothers. As Jack began developing relationships with others who were truly present and experiencing relationship, a great relationship with his heavenly father who's always present, his need to escape the world of sexual fantasy was diminished. Sharing our wounds, sharing our issues like that with other brothers can provide immeasurable healing. It's in the coming out of our woundedness, not the things we act out on, and the brokenness that we can most clearly see the essential nature of a relationship with Christ and others. There was a really good pastor in Illinois, and here's what he had to say. His name was James McDonald, and he writes this. He said, among the names given to Jesus in 9.6 is the unexpected title, Everlasting Father. This phrase, with mighty God, on one side, and Prince of Peace on the other, manages to highlight the unique relationship with Jesus, the Son, and God the Father. Everlasting Father also touches something deep inside of us that the terms Counselor, Counselor God, and Prince can't reach. Our own need for someone called Father. Few words provoke a more varied, visceral response than father. Feelings of honor, love, gratitude can fill a person while another is consumed with shame, hatred, and bitterness at the mere mention of dad or father. Both the intensity and range of emotions point to an even deeper truth. Father hunger is universal. We all hunger for a father. We all long for a healthy and intimate relationship with someone we can call father and are either delighted or distressed by what we have. Our times are marked by an epidemic of father absence. The high percentage of children growing up in homes where there isn't a dad is stunning. Far too many young people, for too many young people, an understanding of the phrase everlasting father is severely handicapped by the lack of any figure who can serve as an earthly example. Most fathers painfully learn how far they can fall short of meeting even the basic ideals of fatherhood. But fathers, as well as the rest of humanity, must understand this, that no human can fill the father vacuum in the human heart. No father can. A good earthly father helps, 
But our father hunger can only be satisfied by God himself, your father in heaven. The best a human father can do is point his children to the everlasting father. Given the insatiability of our father's hunger and the reality of a father absence, it's good news that Jesus came to satisfy and answer these deep, deep needs in all of us. When applied to him, the term everlasting father reminds us that Jesus reveals Father God like no one else. The Christmas child born to us, a son given to us, found in Isaiah 9-6, was revealing the Father. Just as human children often resemble their fathers in appearance and character, so the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1-3 and Colossians 1-15 that Jesus is the nature and glory of Father God that comes to us. The Bible says he's, he is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus Christ is everything God the Father wants you to know about him. Jesus said this in John 10.30. I and the Father are one. And in John 14.9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The Christmas story tells you that your Father in heaven loves you. As painful as the things that you're hearing tonight the one thing that you need to remember is that your Father in heaven loves you. And your Father in heaven wants to fill that absent father wound, that hunger for a father that only a Father in heaven can fill. Even if you think my dad was never really there for me, you have a Father in heaven who's always there for you. His eyes are always upon you. You are never far or apart from his thoughts. Because he is the everlasting father, he loves you with an everlasting love. That longing in your heart can never, ever be met by a human relationship. It can only be filled by the Father God who loves you, despite you, despite what's been done to you, and came to you that first Christmas through his son, Jesus Christ. Tony Evans said the following about the everlasting father. Have you ever spent time pondering where God came from? Don't. <laughs> After you've gone as far back as you can imagine, you're no closer to, to the origin of God than when you started. Because everlasting means forever. There is no beginning. There is no end. The fact is that God never did arrive. He's, at, he's always been there. That can be numbing to the mind for us paralysis by analysis people. For us temporal human beings. That's why many have concluded, have concluded that it's too hard to believe and they settle on evolution instead. Yet evolutionists confuse me, Tony Evans writes. They say they can't believe in an, an eternal God. But they have, no, they have no problem believing that nothing plus nothing results in something. They readily conclude that way back when one kind of substance accidentally collided with another and resulted in an intricate creation. And all it takes to destroy that theory is one simple question. Who created the substance? Rather, God transcends time and also penetrates time and space to make himself known through Jesus Christ. He has done this 
and he will do this forever. My father, my personal father, left me and my family when I was six months. But the everlasting father has never left me and he's never left you. And he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He will always love you. Think about this. If you knew you had a father that would always be there for you, that would never leave your side and help you thrive and help you be successful in all that you do for your entire life, you'd be successful. You'd be a confident person. You'd be a person that nothing and no one could ever stop you and the plans for your life. You'd be full of confidence. And you would have overcome any and all adversity that would ever come to the doorpost of your life. Because you know this one fact. You have a father that you can count on in your corner. People that know that they have a father that they can count on in their corner are very successful. They're overcomers. The problem in our society, and I would even say in our churches, is the lack of courage to address fatherlessness in our country. I've worked in three mega churches for over 10 years, and I have yet to hear a single message on fatherlessness. The problem we face as a society are enormous. But the main problems that we face are not immigration. It's not gun control. It's not taxes. It's not political corruption, ISIS, or any other radical religious ideology. It's not being a Democrat. It's not being Republican. It's not even racism. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, these issues are important. They really are to our society. But in my opinion, the biggest issues that we face in our society today is the moral breakdown of society, the attack on the traditional family model according to God's model and design and an epidemic of fatherlessness. As a result of fatherlessness, there are close to 125,000 abortions being performed every day in the world, a day. 3,000 abortions are being performed daily in the U.S. alone, and that accounts for 22% of all pregnancies. The main reason why people are doing this, fatherlessness, the moral breakdown of society, the attack on the traditional family model and design, and men not stepping up to be fathers but impregnators, therefore posing as imposters to what a real father should look like. Young men are being taught that manhood is having sex with anyone that they want. That's irresponsibility, stupidity, ignorance, carelessness, unloving, conceited, selfish, immature, lacking any character and leadership whatsoever. Any male can father a child, but it takes a real man to be a father to a child. It takes a real man to stay committed to the relationship and make a home for that baby. Half of all abortions done by women are done because they decided they... They wanted to be a single parent. Why? Because they know they couldn't count on the man being around. Now, this is both their faults. This is not just a guy issue. This is both their faults for having an uncommitted relationship, engaging in sex that should be reserved for people who are committed to one another in marriage. The other half made the decision because it was an unplanned pregnancy. And when there's a moral breakdown of society like the one we're having today, what they don't understand is 
is when you decide to have unprotected sex outside God's design for marriage, there's no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy. There isn't. It might have been a miscalculated one because it didn't fit your, your needs. Now, we honor the people that were killed at 9-11 at the Twin Towers in New York City, where close to 3,000 people lost their lives that horrific day when those planes came and those two buildings came down. But who honors the 3,000 babies that are being aborted every day in the United States? Every day. You know, it was interesting. I was with a worship leader today, and he just recently um, came back from New York. And when me and Carolyn were in New York, um, we went down to the Twin Towers and the memorial site and had all the names of the people uh, that had passed. And many of them were women. And under a lot of the names was an unborn child. And they recognized, as well they should, and I give them credit for recognizing a baby in their wound as one or many of that inclu were included in the 3,000 that passed. You see, when you don't know the love of an everlasting father and count on your earthly father to accept his position as your father according to God's plan, chaos and deep-seated wounds occur that many people never recover from. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Close to 70% of suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral issues are from fatherless homes. Tony Evans, and if you want men, if you want a great book to read, this book, Kingdom Man, is a great read. I recommend it for any man. Here's what he wrote in his book. He said, as a man, you are ultimately responsible for those within your domain. Men, how you lead will play a large part in either the life or death experience within your realm. You can either lead those in your care to a place of safety, or you can drive those in your care to a place of chaos. The king has given you a rule book by which you are to govern, by which you are to rule, lead, make decisions, direct, guide, and align your life choices. This rule book is his word. When you lead according to what he says in his word, he will back you with all the authority you need to carry it out. Yet when you don't, you're on your own, men. And many tomorrows, men, will be determined by how well you rule today. And when you lead according to his principles and his kingdom agenda, men, you free others around to be what they were created to be as well. Yet when you don't, you invite a world of chaos, disorder, and destruction, not only in your own life, but also in the lives of those within your influence. When your feet hit the floor each morning, do you make your enemy, the devil, say, oh, crap, he's up again? <laughs> when you step out of your doors each day, do heaven, earth, and hell take notice? When you protect the woman under your care, can she do little to resist you? Do your children look to you with confidence? Do other men look to you as someone to emulate? Does your church call on you for strength and leadership? Are you a preserver of culture and a champion of society, one who keeps out evil and always ushers in good and truth? Are you a man who's fulfilling your destiny 
and able to satisfy the woman in your life? More than all of that, though when God searches for a man to advance his kingdom, does he call your name? You betcha he's calling your name. The question is, are you answering the call? Now, guys, I want to tell you, this night is about for men to step up. But it's a call for everyone to step up. This message is for everyone. It's for everyone to step up and look to the everlasting Father to do what no earthly father can do. The everlasting Father's love has no end. There is no start. There is no beginning. Friends, get this into your soul. He loves you. He's always loved you. And he'll continue to love you. You are loved by an everlasting Father. Isaiah 9, 7 says, His government and his peace will never end. It never ends. And when it comes to real love, what we all want and need is an everlasting love. A love that will last. A love that you can count on. A love that you can bank on. A love that you can depend on. And when you allow Jesus Christ to capture your heart, to consume your heart, to consume your being, and allow the everlasting Father, Jesus Christ, to consume your life, heaven's love, heaven's power, heaven's authority. The life of God gets infused into your life and it changes you forever. It heals you, it sets you free, it completes you as a man or woman of God, where you are always accepted, you are secure, you're significant. Ain't nobody else can do that for you but God. Nobody can do that for you but God. You've heard me say this. And the most powerful thing, sometimes that you can declare, when someone asks you, how are you doing? Is you can say, I'm forgiven. You've heard me say that a lot, right? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big statement. When you embrace the love that your everlasting Father has for you through His Son, Jesus Christ, you can declare something else to the world. And that's, I am loved. I'm loved by my Father. I'm loved by my Father. When you can declare to the world that you are loved by your Father, it changes you. It heals you. It gives you unspeakable joy. It gives you power you've never had before. When you declare that you are loved instead of unloved, you can make this Christmas season the greatest one ever for you and your family. The best thing I ever did for my family was come home with the gift of Jesus. My wife and daughter will tell you that the best presence I ever gave them was when I opened up my heart to Jesus Christ because I was incapable of loving and I was incapable of being a good father. And even being a great father is not enough because the everlasting father fills that father vacuum that all of us have that only he can fill. 
I can only point them to him. And I've been trying to do that for 20 years, and God has restored my family. Friends, you bring that love home to your family as a present. They will cherish it for their entire lives. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then God has forgiven you for all that you've ever done. And so maybe feelings of guilt, shame, regret have overwhelmed you and maybe even shouted to you even as I was talking and sharing this message tonight. God's love covers that as well. God's love covers all your guilt, your shame, and your past as well. He has loved you. He will always love you. He will continue to love you. And his love is all that you'll ever need. And the everlasting Father's love is the greatest gift. And it's what all of us need this Christmas season for ourselves personally and for the people around us. You're looking for something to give to someone else? Give them the gift of love that's in your heart that only comes from the everlasting Father. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for loving us the way that you do. What an everlasting love. A love that we can't even describe. A love that heals. A love that takes away the shame, the guilt, the regrets, and the mistakes of all the things that an absent father didn't do for us that helped mold us into what we are today. I pray for all the men here that they wouldn't feel any shame, but they would be encouraged that they are loved by an everlasting Father, and they would step up as a man of God and lead out in their families, in their communities, wherever you have them, Lord. You can use them as a kingdom man because you are the everlasting Father. And so for every heart, that's ever been wounded tonight by an absent father wound. I pray for your healing. I pray for your love to just wash over that hurt tonight. Your love is furious. It's relentless. And we pray for that love to come down as we worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.